Coming up on this episode of East Screen West Screen, I'll be talking about Sequel Fever, Chapman Toe's directorial debut, a Korean webtoon getting both China and Korea adaptations, and we talk about the latest film from producer, writer, sometimes director Patrick Kong, Love Detective. This is East Screen, West Screen with Paul and Kevin, where if films were food, they'd be full of it. Hello and welcome to another episode of East Screen, West Screen. This is the show where we talk about film from Hong Kong to Hollywood and some other stuff in between. I'm your host, Paul Fox, and joining me once again from his luxurious news desk at the Newport Theater in Mongkok is Mr. Kevin Ma. What is this? Newport has nothing luxurious, Paul. <laughs> That's the point. That's the yeah. point. I, 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 I have to make this specific point this week. So we often make fun of the dynasty. Um, for being the theater that it is, you know, uh, discolored screens and everything. But we went to watch a film in the Newport, and I haven't been to the Newport uh, in a long time. The Newport's in Mongkok also. It's part of the same chain as the Dynasty. It's, it's in actually, a much more crowded area, actually, like central yeah, Mongkok, pretty it's, much. It's so. right over close to, you know, Ladies Street Market, and it's uh, a lot more traffic over there. Uh, smaller houses, to be sure, and the seat that I got was, it was like corroded, like the fabric had corroded off of it and all the, uh, you know, what is it, the sponge-like material, the seat filler underneath was like exposed and it was like like peeling off in these little balls. It was like disgusting. I didn't want to sit on it, but and, I had yeah, no Yeah, my, my seat too, actually the seat number got torn out so we couldn't really know we got the right seat. Yeah. So it happened on my seat too. So yes, if you are... In Hong Kong, and you uh, dare to brave the theater that is Newport, uh, you know, good luck to you. Uh, mm. But I would strongly recommend the Dynasty. Dynasty seats are far, perhaps, less comfortable. They're much harder, but uh, they tend to be in slightly better condition, and it's a much larger house, to be sure. So, how's it going, sir? I mean, uh, the, you know, uh, one of the things going on right now for me is life's extremely busy because school's about to start. Uh, the semester is uh, pretty much kicking off into full gear next week. We're having orientation and welcome days this week. And uh, my life gets busy once again, at least gets put into overdrive, I might say. Uh, how's everything on the work front for you? Oh, work is pretty crazy. And on the magazine front, um, again, our, our magazine should be rolling out uh, October 1st. Um, I guess we'll be talking a little more about that when that comes. I'm already doing the, the November issue and dealing with December issue. Um, so that's going, you know, pretty, you know, it's getting to be like clockwork. Um, on the other side, um, lots of work because I'm doing a, a script translation of a film that's in production right now. Um, you have the Hong Kong Asian Film Festival coming up and uh, me and, and uh, Ross, a uh, friend of the show, and and Shelly, my, my former supervisor now, we're working on those blurbs. Um, 
and uh, yeah, and of course the usual FBA work uh, and and other small you know gigs. So yeah, lots of actually just it's, it's a pretty chaotic week this week. All right, here at the news desk. Uh, first up this week, not really an official news piece or anything, but. Um, and actually, I don't have a comprehensive list of what we're going to talk about either. But yeah, Sequel Fever, yay! Um, a couple of weeks ago, we I just learned that uh, Cold War Two has gone into production here in Hong Kong. Cold War, that's the um, uh, hit police procedural film starring Tony Leung Ka Fai and Aaron Kwok and Eddie Pang. Um, so the sequel is now in production here in Hong Kong. Um, not sure when it, they're they're planning to release it. I think it's probably a next summer release type of thing um and i think the original cast is back uh at least the big three tony learn uh, eddie pang and aaron kwok they're all back not much else about the details um i've seen recruitment for extras he- here and there but um no one's really revealing anything about the plot probably not until the next big film market which would be either november in american film market or next march um in Hong Kong for for Hong Kong Film Mart, uh, the other big uh, sequel announcement this week, It Man Free, which we know where it was in production some time ago, um, will be uh, had has announced a release date this week. Uh, Donnie's official Facebook page confirmed that uh, the film will be coming out uh, in China and Hong Kong uh, in Christmas. So um, ho ho ho, It Man's in. Hitman is coming to town uh, with Mike Tyson. Uh, Paul, what, what do you what do you think um, these these sequels? Yeah, it's interesting, uh, especially with Ip Man. I guess there's some thoughts that we should be getting a trailer fairly soon for this. And uh, I was um, I was actually guesting on uh, another podcast recently where we were talking about um, the Bruce Lee's Game of Death movies and some of the sequels and. And some of the faux Bruce Lee movies uh, to to sort of come out of that, and I we by the end of the discussion we were talking about um, the a lot of the original Game of Death footage that got uncovered um, not not too long ago, and how it you know was a, a very lucky find and it really showed a very different vision of. Uh, the game of death movie than what they the filmmakers ended up actually making back in the uh, 78 and i was saying you know i don't you know it'd be interesting to see someone kind of take all that footage and see if they could kind of remake game of death more in line with you know what bruce lee was uh, originally doing and they could you know the technology such i mean because we were talking about for example the the digital arnold um, in Terminator Genesis, and some of the some of the other films that have kind of taken this on, where they're actually recreating actors, um, Arnold in his sort of younger self. And I don't, for my taste, they haven't quite gotten there yet. I, I still think there's a bit of an uncanny valley thing going on. But I would say I would think like in the next five years, uh, you know that something would be possible that they could go in and they could just digitally recreate Bruce Lee. And apparently what does this have to do with it? Man three? Well, that's one of the rumors, right? Is that that's what they're doing is they're recreating a sort of a digital Bruce Lee, adult Bruce Lee for this film. Am I correct in that? 
hearing of the rumor, Kevin? The, the rumor was around, but I think um, that was in one of the older versions of it. Uh, because the film has been kind of on and off, start, start, start and stop for some time. Um, so I'm not sure whether the digital amen is still true. And I think um, even if it's true, well, even if they were trying to do it, they would have to get the family's permission and they have to buy, pay for the rights for a story or to even use this likeness. Um, and I'm not sure if Raymond Wong was prepared to pay all that money for that right. Mm. Um, and I think um, lots of people would be against the idea uh, personally, even though we've seen it in, you know, there was a short animation of uh, Bruce Lee, you know, doing his thing. Couple, I think many years ago, actually, a few years ago, uh, at least maybe 10 years ago. Uh, but it was a 30-second animation. It was kind of done as a tribute, not put into a big budget, you know, commercial film trying to make money. So it was a different thing. Um, I I really have no idea what to expect. I don't know what kind of period this film takes place as. I mean, um, clearly Christmas Christmas release means they're actually trying for the big China dollar, not really Hong Kong dollars, because um, uh, Christmas hasn't really been a big time for Hong Kong cinema for some years now. And Christmas is a much more lucrative time in Hong Kong for Hollywood films and a very, very lucrative time for Chinese films uh, in mainland China. Um, so, yeah, um, I guess that's something to look forward to. What do you think about Cold War Two, Paul? I mean, I, I, I forget if you liked the original or not. Yeah, the, I mean, the original wasn't that hot. <laughs> I was okay with it. I mean, it, it, it looked pretty good and and it had some some decent action segments but it was also a lot of finger pointing in the faces and angry acting at times and there were parts of the story that were as i recall somewhat convoluted and and some of the motivations of what was going on weren't always entirely clear uh cold war Two, okay yeah i mean another big budget cops and cops movie you know that's what hong kong does did it um, need to have a sequel um personally i i'm not gonna express my opinions <laughs> but but yeah the question is did it if you know for those of us who've seen the film i mean obviously i think most of us i guess it's okay to mention that spoiler now that does it really need did it did the original film needed to have that set up for a sequel and does it even need a sequel really i i would unless it's about andy lau i'd say no Exactly, <laughs> you know, seeing 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 more Andy Lau is always needed. But um, no, seriously, I, I I didn't feel it needed a sequel. It felt fairly standalone. Uh, my guess is that, you know, where where are they going to go from here with the characters? Um, you know, I, from what I remember, things were pretty well ironed out. Did it really, you know, need a sequel? I uh, you know that's all, that's always a question. Did Infernal Affairs need a sequel? Probably not. Did it need a prequel? Nah, don't, don't think so, but we still got them. Uh, if it's something that's going to make enough money, they're going to try and milk it. So, did, it, did we need an Ip Man 3? Was, you know, was there... It uh, depends on who you talk to. I think Donnie, Donnie friends would be like, we always need another Ip Man movie. We always need more Donnie, right? But, um, you know, they, yeah. They the, would even say we need more special ID. Is it going to be really that interesting to see Donnie going off with Mike Tyson? Uh, I mean, I I just imagine them going immediately for ear gags and stuff, right? Um, maybe they won't go there, but it just seems too easy. And it's just another, you know, another case of a 
of a big foreigner that uh, you know is the is the baddie that he has to square off against. Maybe they'll do something different this time. You know. Yeah, it is um, China. They'll do exactly the same thing. Whatever makes money. Yawn. Yeah. I don't know. Well, we'll see. I, the, the both of these films, you know, they could totally surprise me, and hopefully they will. But um, I think history has kind of pointed to the fact that sequels generally aren't by extension as good as um, the originals. Empire Strikes Back? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, uh, in speaking of, like, Hong Kong sequels, you know. <laughs> um, Inferno First 2 is better than Inferno First 1. There, I said it. That's it. I said it. Them's fighting words, sir. No! <laughs> I, could, I, could go, I could go further, but no, I, that's... Next, next piece of news. Um, Chairman Toe, did you see King of Mahjong, Paul, by the way? Yes, I did. Okay, yeah. so th- what did you think about... Because that was fir- Chairman Toe's first um, kind of endeavor into Malaysian, Southeast Asian cinema. Um, wh- what do you think? Was it successful? Do you think um, that yeah. it was a good, 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 good direction for him to take? You know, Chairman Toe was kind of everywhere for a while. Um and people were, I think, were starting to think if he had kind of worn out his welcome. Uh, normally, the, the the co-productions with Malaysia, Singapore in the past, um, in terms of the overall production value, haven't always been that high. What was the one with Nat Chan a few years ago? Like it was um, Lucky, the luckiest man. No, no, no. It was about martial arts. It was like uh, We Love Wing Chun or something. Yeah, I think that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, those, they tend to go back to the well of traditional gags and they can be okay. I mean, you can get some entertainment value, but it's, they typically don't do a lot of stuff that's very, very fresh. So for example, King of Mahjong, I, I went in, um, you know, kind of excited because I, I like the Singaporean actor, Mark Lee, um, who plays sort of the uh, opposite, the, the antagonist to Chapman's protagonist. And so I was kind of, you know, looking, looking forward to seeing that one. And it wasn't terrible. It was kind of borrowing a lot, though, from Fachoy Spirit, right? Um, it's really kind of like a remake of that without the bigger budget, without the bigger name stars. It, it goes for a lot of the same beats, and it really, you know, even even some of the same kinds of gags, in many ways, are, are present. So, I mean, if if it gets more Hong Kong style films made, I think that's a good thing, because it gives a little bit more flexibility for actors to, maybe, and directors to not have to fall in line with SARF regulations or, you know, um, the the. the the standards that a lot of mainland co-productions may require there's some potential there but a lot of times there's the budget constraints just it it leads the films into the trap of doing what's been done before and there just seems to be redundancies at least in my experience with the films the the, these malaysian or singaporean co-productions that i've seen thus far well Anyway, the reason I brought this up because Chairman To um, announced this week that uh, after you know producing um, his first Malaysian film, uh, uh, King of Mahjong, now he's going back to Malaysia and he's directing. Um, he's making his directorial debut with Let's Eat. Um, 
it's uh, another new 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 Year comedy uh, that I we assume that will be produced under his own uh, production company down in Malaysia. Um, and again, it will be uh, filmed in both Malaysia and Singapore. Um, the film just started shooting. Um, this is a food themed uh, comedy. Uh, Chamento is going to play a um, the head chef of a cafe who has to work with the owner's daughter, played by TVB star Amy Chang, um, to save the restaurant. Um, it's got interesting how, how you talked about, Paul, how you talked about the, the whole Hong Kong flavor of the Malaysian films. Last year when I did an interview with um, uh, Malaysian director Emin Yeo and um, the star, the female star of his film, um, River of Exploding Durians, uh, Daphne Lo, who actually also happens to be in, in the Chapman Toh film, um, they explained to me that actually Malaysian, at least Malaysian Chinese moviegoers kind of see Hong Kong entertainment as kind of their inspiration. Um, so Chinese language entertainment um, are all very much inspired by TVB style uh, or Hong Kong films and Hong Kong entertainment. So which is that explains why you would see a lot of these Chinese language Malaysian productions uh, all kind of trying to ape uh, the the Hong Kong comedies that were so popular in the area, um, at least when when you know people were still paying to watch movies in in that country, um, and it's kind of interesting how you also talked about Sarf Paul because uh, while Chairman, I think part of the reason why Chairman had to turn to Malaysia and Singapore because uh, of his ban, I guess unofficial ban in China, um, um, but kind of at the same time, you know Malaysian cinema also faces the same problems with censorship uh singaporeans well a lot of um content cannot be used i mean obviously no sex uh no extreme violence no um ideologically nothing that's against the you know too political politically driven um so it's kind of interesting that so obviously new to new year comedy is not going to really offend anyone um but at the same time it will also be made actually under the same kind of censorship system that China has, really. Except well, it's not it, done under Mal- it's not except it's not done under communist government and Malaysia economy. No one really gives a crap about Malaysian go- uh, the economy. So, yeah, I, I, it's it's kind of interesting that you brought that up, Paul, about you know how you can avoid censorship, but going to a country where censorship is yeah, actually just as heavy. I mean, certainly there's there they have censorship standards. I mean, Hong Kong has censorship standards. But w- what I'm speaking of more in terms of the creative sense is that, for example, in China, the, you can never have a, an antagonist, you know, get away with a crime. Uh, you can't do ghost stories, you, you know, that are supernatural by nature. You know, these things. So, like, last year we got Herman Yao's film, uh, Second Coming, right, which was co-produced uh, with uh, the Singapore Film Board, I believe. You could not, you know, he could not have gone to China and done that because of, you know, their rules regarding the kinds of stories that could be told. So when I, when I, you know, I do recognize that, yeah, they're, they're, they do have some strict guidelines that apply, but I think there's a bit more flexibility in some creative aspects. I'm excited to see, uh, you know, this production that you've mentioned, it was interesting too because when I watched King of Mahjong, that I I guess was a New Year movie too because they kind of had a New Year's theme. That was that at was, the yeah. end, but it wasn't uh, shown over here during New Year's. Yeah, well, that's because you know they're clearly. I think Hong Kong audience can kind of smell when a movie's not really made for them, and and in some ways Hong Kong audiences do kind of 
look down on Southeast Asian entertainment, including those in Malaysia, Singapore, you know, they kind of see it as, you know, um, I guess copycats or, you know, something that's kind of behind what, what Hong Kong audiences are used to, even though, you know, the second highest grossing film this past weekend was Love Detective. But anyway, I, I, I digress. But actually, I want to <laughs> I I kind of keep arguing about this Malaysia thing because I was looking at, you know, Wikipedia. But, uh, you know, it's just that Malaysia is one of the world's strictest form of media censorship. And it is ranked 147th in the Worldwide Press Freedom Index. Um, and films that have any sort of kissing and nudity are strictly censored off. Um, and also over 100 films has been banned in Malaysia this decade in the pretext of upholding morality. Yeah. So kind of an interesting, um, just a note um, about censorship in Malaysian cinema as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, but, you know, it's in, there are some aspects of that too that you can find in Hong Kong cinema. You won't see people kissing on TVB very often. But that's not really a censorship thing. That's because the actors aren't willing to do it. Really? Are you, yeah, I mean, really. Really, the actors just aren't willing to do it. Okay. Uh, Truly. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, that seems weird. You know, yeah, the actors just like, are too shy to do it. They know, just won't do it. We're going to pay you, uh, we'll give you a bonus. Kiss. <laughs> no. Because then, because a kiss would become the talk of the tabloid press. That's, yeah. that's how bad they are. You even share a kiss, then you get rumored about being a couple. That's how the tabloid press works here in Hong Kong. So they avoid even that kind of really intimate touching yeah. um, or contact. That's a kind of censorship in it, of itself. Even though not really, you know, systematic censorship. Okay, we're, we're going to... Yeah. <laughs> We've gone way, way off the rails there. All right. Um, but yeah, they, I, final point on this is I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, more of this kind of work. Um, so bring it on. Yeah, me too. I mean, Chairman also has a local... So for those who worry that Chairman has completely left Hong Kong, he... Just finished, or a couple months ago, finished um, The Mob Father, directed by Herman, Herman Yao and produced by Chairman himself. So he still has a Hong Kong film coming, but clearly Malaysia and Singapore um, is kind of his new niche. And, uh, and it's fine because, you know, they, they do, they are growing film, well, they are kind of a stagnant film industry and they need sort of new blood. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, let's see how Chairman uh, does uh, next New Year's with this film. Our last bit of news this week, Korean webtoons. What's that yeah. about? Yeah, Korean webtoons. Um, they're, you know, popular. You know, uh, web comic, webtoons, web cartoons. Um, they're really, you know, popular brand of entertainment in a very well-connected country like South Korea. Um, one author that always gets adapted is Kanfu. Uh, that is a alias, clearly, a pseudonym. Uh, clearly. Anyway, his late and uh, this is like his sixth webtoon to be adapted into film. Um, it's called uh, The Witch or Witch. Yeah, I think it's called The Witch. Uh, anyway, the film has been brought for bought up for uh, uh, live action adaptation. And interestingly, the company that is producing this, Next Entertainment World or NEW, they'll be producing both a Chinese and a Korean um, version of this webtoon simultaneously. Um, so, the Korean version, um, you know, not much to say about that. It'll be made by a local filmmaker and um, uh, a, a fairly uh, well-known one um, named Kim Dong-woo. Um, Kim Dae-woo, sorry. Um, he, 
you know, no, no cast been announced, so um, there's nothing. But most interestingly, the China one will be directed by uh, Leslie Chan, who last year actually directed the Chinese remake of Miss Granny, which is uh, 21's Again. Um, that film stars Yang Jishan and uh, a well-known former K-pop idol named Lu Han and uh, also Wilson Chan. Did you watch 21's Again, Paul? I have not seen it, no. It played in Hong Kong. But anyway... Um, so it's kind of interesting that that you know this director who's kind of found a niche for himself, uh, Leslie Chen, the Taiwan director, sort of found a niche at making you know adapting, working with Korean companies and 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 creating these um, uh, adapting Korean properties. Um, so anyway, you know it's, it's another step in this development of Korean entertainment, uh, sort of finding a new market in in some way. China, you know, Hong Kong going to China, Taiwan's going to China, and now Korea is sort of going to China. Um, um, this company, NEW, actually, um, 15% of its shares is owned by Huase, which is the uh, company that is co-producing the China version of, of the, the webtoon, uh, The Witch. Um, and also, uh, CJ Entertainment, of course, co-produced the, the Chinese remake of uh, Miss Granny, which was, like I said, 21's again. And Showbox, the company that uh, produced Assassination, which is now the highest grossing film of the year so far in South Korea, also launched an office in, in Beijing. So, yeah, just kind of another interesting how everyone in Asia now is turning to China um, for the big money, you know, for entertainment money. Um, just So let's see how this goes. Oh, I guess the story of Witch, I should talk about that. The Witch is about uh, a woman who believes that, you know, she's cursed and that she creates, you know, she causes terrible accidents um, for those around her. But then um, one day a man falls in love for her and that's kind of the story. So interesting to see how, you know, what the Chinese version has to be different, you know, to attract the Chinese audience and how is it different or how, you know, how different from the Korean version. Um, Yeah. So that's it, you know. Yeah, Paul, any any thoughts about this project? Uh, not really. I don't not familiar with the web version or the people involved in the film version that much. So it, it's not supernatural in in design. It's just no, it's not supernatural at all. It's just uh, that's just her nickname. Yeah, which be interesting if both films come out around the same time, and then they maybe end up in a film festival somewhere, and you can kind of see them back to back or something. That would be interesting. Like I said, you know, how do you adapt something that's Korean to a Chinese audience? Personally, I didn't think Miss, you know, Twenty Ones Again was super successful in doing that. Um, by actually, they did it by you know, sort of turning China into not China, and you know, taking out any sort of geographical um, specific specificity uh, from from the story. So it'll be interesting to see whether you know, Leslie will be doing the same thing again for the uh, this film. And that's it. For news. We'll take a short musical break and we'll be back to talk about our film for this week, Love Detective. And we're back. So our movie this week, Love Detective, from director Jill Wong Paquet and writer-producer Patrick Kong. Uh, 
I think he's uh, somewhat infamous in uh, Hong Kong circles, film circles here. And uh, he is uh, bringing us, uh, I guess, uh, this latest film. Um, and he's also starring in it, uh, kind of. I mean, he has a, <laughs> he has a cameo uh, of sorts. So uh, he's kind of putting himself out there as, as well. The story itself, uh, a genius detective named Bo is forced to go undercover inside a talent agency to investigate an incident. I'll get back to that in a moment. When she's assigned to the newest member of a girl group called Yogurt, she is forced to undergo a radical transformation to bring out her inner goddess. But a budding spark of affection with the company boss might just interfere with her ability to crack the case. So yes, um, Patrick Kong movies. Uh, I, I tend to be a bit of a Patrick Kong apologist. I tend to like some of his films more than a lot of other people. This time is not one of those cases. Uh, if this were an Aaron Kwok movie, I'm afraid it would be called D-plus Detective because it's just not very good, I'm sorry to say. Uh, director Jill Wong has been all over the industry in the past 15 or so years, uh, working as assistant director on numerous films, production manager, uh, acted in a couple films, been script super supervisor, uh, editor, and also has a writing credit on one film. Uh, most notably, I think people will recognize uh, some directorial work on films like See You and YouTube from 2008 and Trick or Cheat in 2009. Now, these were kind of multi-directors multi uh, working on those films. So he's recently um, gotten some, I guess, what you would call soul or solo uh, direction work. Um, earlier this year, in S for Sex, S for Secret, um, also a sort of co-production along with uh, Patrick Kong. He's got uh, another film that I think was direct-to-video called Guilty, and this film, Love Detective, and then later in, I believe, October, there looks to be a horror movie release called Are You Here? Now, part of me wonders exactly you know how much of uh, what we're seeing on screen is being dictated by Patrick Kong because this film feels like it's got Patrick Kong all over it that just might be because the director and Patrick Kong have you know a similar kind of eye and they find you know um, shot composition and focus on certain characters in certain ways um, equally appealing you know maybe their their styles just gel together but for the most part uh you know i'd, I'd say that this just felt like a patrick kong film more than anything else with, with a couple exceptions really the story here if you've seen something like miss congeniality or the hong kong film supermodel you kind of know what the story beats are going to be right it's a, a female police officer who's very good at her job gets sent undercover and in order to be effective undercover, uh, she has to kind of get in touch with whatever the current trend of femininity and beauty happens to be. So for that role, we're given Ivana Wong, who plays as Bo, this police detective who's noted for cracking cases and having a very high IQ. They say she's got like 189 IQ. So she's supposedly this genius detective who um, is able to crack cases very very easily 
Uh, she has some fun. She's charming a lot of the time, but it's not enough really to save this film. Now, opposite her, we have actor Chao Pak Ho, who plays David. He's sort of the young boss uh, at this company. It's his father's company, apparently. And he's kind of brought in um, to sort of take over the talent uh, side of things. And he's putting together this... Uh, um, he's trying to sort of manage this group called Yogurt. Um, and he's very effeminate. He's believed at times to be gay. And there are several gay jokes that are probably very much out of favor in this day and age, but they go for those jokes uh, nonetheless. Cameos um, by people like Joyce Chang, uh, Jacqueline Chong, um, somewhat familiar in Patrick Kong films in, in sort of the backup or the chorus, you might say. Uh, Chang Chi Kwong has a pretty funny turn as the chief. He's named himself Chief Johnny Toe. Uh, as kind of a, uh, you know, a fi in film gag, uh, as it were. And he basically just, it, it, it's very much a throwback to sort of the uh, uh, Maxwell Smart days. He kind of just dresses up in lots of different costumes to try and go out and have uh, secret meetings uh, with Bo when he needs to get um, updates. Uh, unfortunately, there's not a lot here that really appealed to me. Now, I tend to like these kinds of movies, these kind of, you know, sort of sappy, silly, romantic comedies, but I found a lot of what they were going for, a lot of the set pieces, a lot of the gags just were kind of falling flat. Um, the The whole aspect of bringing uh, Ivana's character in and sticking her in this sort of Langmo pseudo-model talent group and her trying to pretend to be, you know, charming and lacking those skills and having to, you know, needing to be trained, it, it didn't always work that well for me. I think you see, you get a similar, similar sense of this. You go back and you watch, you know, uh, Golden Chicken uh, SSS last year. And, you know, she was uh, well noted for, in that film, for, you know, being silly, but also being dramatic. Here, she's just kind of being silly and... It doesn't, it doesn't always hold together, unfortunately. With regard to the story they're telling, I mean, you can find similar aspects of what are, what's being told in local films, like the whole talent agent side. I think if you go watch a movie like uh, Diva Ahe with Charlene, and, um, you know, th there they get into managing talent and trying to, you know, groom talent... Uh, you know, and, and what they have to go through sort of behind the scenes a little bit. It's much more interesting in that presentation. Um, again, I mentioned supermodel, sort of the transformative aspects of taking a character that has no sort of sense of, you know, modern beauty standards and, you know, giving them sort of the My Fair Lady treatment or the Pygmalion treatment and having them sort of transform. So they go through those beats here. None of it is really very interesting. The group yogurt made up of the other girls, um, you know, they're named things like Ball Ball, Mimi, <laughs> and Jojo. Um, you know, it's it just, yeah, they're, they're kind of there. They're not that interesting. You never really care about them. Um, they have silly things, like there's a gag with a gun that's like this science fiction gun. It's called a truth gun. So you shoot the person with it, and they're supposed to tell the truth. It just kind of goes nowhere, unfortunately. 
Uh, they also have this running gag with these three geeks who are kind of brought on their super geeks who are there to help train Bo and teach her how to sort of be, uh, you know, a goddess, which is kind of the, the catchphrase for, um, you know, the, the, star, the starlets of, of the current generation. And, you know, of these geeks, you know, they're very stereotyped. They're the worst kind of stereotypical fanboy geeks that one could construct. But the worst among them is um, TVB actor Bob Lamb, who is constantly masturbating in this film. And it's just kind of gross after, the, you know, it's, he's always got his hand down his pants and, you know, he's making the motion. So it's not, you know, it's not a Category 3 film. You don't see anything. Um, but it's, it's the idea that it's kind of going on and it's going on with other people right there around him. And it's just like, ugh, you know, it's like they, they, they go back to that well three and four times. Um, and it's just, it gets considerably worse each time they kind of go back to there. Um, there's also some play on the character of Bo, who's supposed to be, I guess, at her thirties or getting close to her thirties as this sort of left behind woman. And again, here too, she's a super successful police officer, but the fact that she's, you know, she doesn't conform to the pseudo model beauty standards and that uh, she looks awkward when she tries to, it paints this picture of, you know, imperfection and that she has to, you know, kind of improve herself through training and, and through learning, you know, how to be cute and, and pretty and beautiful. Um, and she has a relationship with a boyfriend who's very boorish and uh, treats her poorly. And there's this really sort of extended scene um, that doesn't make a lot of sense, given the fact of her position in society. She's supposed to be this powerful and intelligent detective. And yet he, she, you know, has a boyfriend who treats her like, um, you know, Doo -doo. like, yeah, like just dirt, basically. It, it, that doesn't add up it's like from a completely different movie somehow um so again i know that they're going for these you know set pieces and as i said some of them work but a lot of them the connections just miss as we move from one to the next to the next and and the last sequence which i think feels very much like a patrick kong thing where you've got a bunch of the characters together kind of stuck in this room and they're kind of just back and forth um, you know, emoting to each other. Uh, I, I've seen that kind of thing happen in quite a few of Patrick Kong's movie, and that just felt completely like him. So there is a slight twist at the end, too. This isn't a, a normal sort of Patrick Kong uh, romantic comedy dramedy, dramedy style twist, but you can kind of see this twist coming um, from a mile off. A lot of the things about the overall plot and the whodunit nature of things and what's actually going on don't make a lot of sense. The motivations are kind of all over the place. And the subtitles are particularly tricky because in English they're talking about a killer. They keep saying, you know, we got to catch the killer. But what we learn is that, in fact, nobody's actually died. There was an incident that I said where a person got hit and is apparently in a coma. So they keep talking about going after a killer, but it's really a person who's like done assault. So there's a bit of a disconnect with the subtitles. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if that carries over uh, once this makes it out on home video. So 
the, the final verdict on this, and, and I hate to say that because, again, this is normally the kind of movie that I really get a lot of enjoyment out, out of, is that you really only want to see this if you're into Ivana and you like her kind of riffing on herself and, and doing sight gags and playing it trying to be sexy, which is, you know, she's one of these starlets who, if you've seen her music videos and you've seen her do other stuff, you know she can be sexy. So this is her trying to pretend that she doesn't know how to be sexy. And, and she can she can pull it off at times, um, but she's done it better with better material elsewhere. Um, so she's really great when she's got the right material, but sadly, uh, this is not it. Kevin, anything you want to add to Love Detective? No, I'm going to get me in trouble, so let's not get there. It's just... <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah. My God. <laughs> All right. You know, uh, yeah, you know, I always say that, you know, Louis Koo movies, they, they, they actually, a lot of Louis Koo movies are flopping this year because, let's face it, Louis Koo is not a box office draw anymore, really. Um, Paris Hall, they flopped, and Wild City also flopped because there are so many Louis Koo films that he's actually only as good as the people he works with. So, you know, Amber Kuo, not a box office draw in Hong Kong, so Paris Holiday failed. Um, uh, wow City, um, Sean Yu, not really a big box office draw. Ringo Lam, not a box office draw, so it failed. Triumph in the Sky, you have, you know, the material, blah, blah, that's why it was a success. And kind of the same for, you know, actually, you know, these up-and-coming stars like Ivana Wong. You really, they really are only as good as the material they work with. So, as much as I like Ivana Wong in um, Golden Chickens, um, I guess actually that's the only film I liked her in, um, and I guess Breakup One Hundred is that her talent is only really works when she works with good material. So let's um, let's hope she. I mean, she's also admit that you know really her music is really her thing that she's only acting so that people can know her more and it might help her music career. So I hope that her focus remains on music and better film material. That's the only thing I can say. I'm not saying Love Detective is bad, but I hope that Ivana Walk gets better film material. Yeah. One thing that I will say is that Patrick Kong does get the kids to come out. I mean, our screening was pretty full. Uh, and I think that, uh, I guess, he still, in some ways, speaks the language uh, of the young people, whether it be it in his casting or um, the, the, the storytelling that he's attempting to convey in these things maybe it's generational i mean maybe that's an aspect that that we're missing on that we're just old fogies now and we just don't get director kong you're listening to the east screen west screen podcast visit kongcast.com for more You have been listening to the East Screen, West Screen podcast. Our theme music was composed by Rob Jaboer of Snauzer Radio Orchestra. Research came from a variety of sources, but primarily we look to lovehkfilm.com and the Hong Kong Movie Database, so check those out. And we get a tremendous amount of moral support from listeners like you, so thank you all for being out there. If you would like to be part of the show, you can get in touch with us via the website at concast.com. 
Um, you can also find us over on Twitter, twitter.com slash concast. You can email us, eastscreen at gmail.com. And you can find us over on Facebook at East S West S. So if you like Ivana Wong, if you think we're crazy, if you think this is the best film she's ever done, drop us some feedback and tell us what you think. No, Kevin, I would not accept emails from Patrick Kong. <laughs> Just want to say that right now. Kevin, where can people find what you're up to? If he does want to email me, uh, you can uh, you can you, you can email me at Kevin at filmbiz.asia. I write news over at Film Business Asia. That's www.filmbiz.asia. You can find me on Twitter, the Golden Rock. That's one word, the Golden Rock. Yeah, and I'm elsewhere on other places if you can find me. But yeah, those are the main public medias that I use. All right, so check him out. Keep up with what he's doing. Next show, episode 174, probably going to be looking at the Richie Wren directorial debut with All You Need Is Love. And I'm hoping they don't play uh, Beatles cover. It's way too expensive, so that's not going to happen. So yes, all of that and more on our next show. Until then, this is the East Screen, West Screen podcast saying, don't sit next to me in the cinema. And we'll see you next time. See you next time, everybody.